0: science on surfaces hello there and welcome to this podcast science on surfaces tips tricks and tools with me Marlene edwardson in today's episode we will talk about surfactants surfactant characterization and we'll also take the opportunity to talk to our guest about his career path from a phd to a postdoc and from where he then moved on to take jobs in industry so here with me in this call, I have Dr. Fredrik Andersson, scientist and project leader at Agriculture and Food for Norium Performance Formulations. Welcome, Frederick.
1: Hello, nice to be here.
0: Nice to, to have you here. How are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks. Working from home in these uh, strange times, but uh, all is good.
0: Strange times, indeed. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to hear about your career path and why you chose a career in science and mm. um what inspires you with this kind of job. But let's start with your current position. So you're a scientist and a project leader. So what is it that you do?
1: Uh, well my role is a bit of a it's a bit of a mix then of, of actually being the scientist in the lab, which I like a lot as well, but then also running the, you know. The kind of stage-gated uh, projects uh, in a project leader kind of way. So but two very different roles combined into one. Uh, but I like to have to have both actually. Uh, I become easily bored otherwise. But uh, yeah.
0: So what is the the science that you do?
1: The science is, I mean, uh, I mean, Norion where I work, we we work with surfactants and also with polymers uh, quite a bit actually. So I mean, the main the main thing is, of course, that they interact with surfaces. So I mean, they lower surface tension, as you know, surfactants, and they they are in a ra- wide range of of applications. so um, so we so we serve a lot of different applications with our products.
0: Mm. so so what is it that you would like to achieve with the products? To be more specific? I mean you 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 do some development work mm, do you
1: yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it's either developing uh, new developing surfactants or polymers, which is a f- quite a task because you start doing it in the synthesis lab, which I don't do, but we have groups for that. And then we characterize them in the application lab. And from that, it's then to introduce a new chemical into the market, which is quite a fun process, but it's also quite a lengthy process when it comes to registrations and HEC, uh, for example, as well. So, But we also use current products that we have, In one application let's say hair styling application can be used in a different application within Orion so we also broaden the way that we use our current products. Mm
0: -hmm. So how does that work to develop a new surfactant or a new polymer? Do you know of a need it should behave this way or that way? Yeah I mean
1: um, normally it is I mean we, we know what it's supposed to do in the application and then, of course, we have a lot of knowledge, I mean, structure-wise, of, of surfactants that have worked similarly. Uh, but then maybe there is a need for having biodegradation, maybe it's a need for bio-based and so on. And then we have to uh, take that into account as well. Mm-hmm. So, so we know what we want to achieve. And then we go back, we start in the synthesis lab and trying to, to make these mo- molecules. And it's a lot of tweaking and it's a lot of trial and error, actually,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: before you reach final, final working products.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. So how long could it take then to develop a new surfactant for a specific application?
1: I think, I mean, we, ha- we haven't, I mean, long-term R&D projects are normally two to three years. And I think that's that's the minimum time because you need to do the testing and you need, to, as I mentioned again, the, the registrations, for example, within reach and also, uh, and those are quite, uh, lengthy processes, so I, I I would say two to three years uh, mm. normally. Mm. Mm.
0: So it's not it's not just the chicken like I want as a as a factant that's doing this, and then you <laughs> go into the lab and you make it.
1: No, no, but I mean I mean that that's the first part. I mean if it doesn't if it doesn't perform, then we will not take it further, right? So uh, mm. so that's the first and maybe the most fun part, and then comes mm. the other part that is also needed, but it's it's a different kind of bulking.
0: Mm. Okay, so let's say that you're developing a new surfactant. What kind of information do you need during that uh, project or like a product development, like Mm -hmm. the characterization throughout the whole development part, so to say?
1: I mean, I I think when you develop a surfactant, you first do the molecule, and then, of course, you do the basic surfactant characteristics. I mean, as you know, you can measure the CMC value, you can measure surface tension, both static and dynamic. For example, um, then it can also be if it's supposed to bind to to uh, to surfaces. You can do interactions with surfaces. Uh, yeah. So basic surfactant characteristics. I mean, uh, and then you need to test it in the application itself, whether that is for hairspray or whether it's for agro crop protection or whatever it might be. You you need to do, for example, field studies and or these kind of things as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So, mm. what methods is it that you use? Basically, it's just like a handful of methods that you mm. need, need. Then,
1: you that mean you for mentioned the characteristics?
0: For the characteristics, yes.
1: Yeah, then it's a standard. Uh, I mean, tensiometry. Um, you can measure foaming. You can measure. I mean, interaction with uh, it's. It's. It's like a. Yeah, a typical sort of, OCD method for for characterizing surfactants in a sense. And for those who don't know what those are, yeah, t- yeah. As I mentioned, I mean, tensiometry, uh, contact angle, uh, QCMD, for example, can also be used. Um, those kind of things, yeah. Mm.
0: Okay. Mm.
1: Um, but the so application what... is is different than 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 you try it in the application afterwards.
0: Okay. So what so could that? Top performance. Okay. That
1: could be, for example, if you work with hairspray, it can be. I mean, does it have a curl retention on on the on the hair strand? Does it work to increase the absorption of um, the pesticide onto the leaf if it's agro? So that's that's the sort of specific test it needs to pass to mm. be able to go forward as a product in in a certain area. Mm.
0: That yeah. sounds much more challenging to assess.
1: Mm. Yeah, we we have in-house methods, but of course it's. It's in-house methods, and then it's also actually working with exter- external collaborators that mm-hmm. might want to use it in the end, right? Because it's mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it's, it's like
0: for look, for example that what you mentioned with the pesticide.
1: Mm-hmm. How
0: how would you go about testing
1: that? Um, that's I mean the the pesticide. We we can do that. For example, in house, uh, you um, you have something called the front cell study, which is where you. You can see how well uh, the pesticide is penetrating a membrane. Then you analyze the analytes that come through, and then you can see does it actually increase when you add the surfactant or not? Because we wanted to boost the absorption or the uh, penetration through the membrane. Mm -hmm. So we have those methods set up for for those specific uh, tasks.
0: But would what would you like to achieve? Would you want the the surfactant to basically coat the no, for for, the... for, for
1: for this kind of application that I work with now, so agro application, then it's we want the ad we want the surfactant to be an adjuvant, and an adjuvant is basically you would say something that is enhancing the efficacy of the pesticide. So that can be by increasing penetration through the leaf membrane. You mm-hmm. can increase the humidity, or humectancy of the wax, so it swells and then uh, the pesticide penetrates. Um yeah, you, you don't want it to form you don't want it to form necessarily a thick layer, but you want it to modify the wax, for example, of the leaf mm. so it eases um for example penetration. Okay. But you don't want it to do too much, so you get phytotoxicity so that you kill the plant, so it's a balance. Uh, oh. yeah. you still want green plants. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and uh, so, I mean, you talked about, you mentioned some challenges here, characterizing uh, this product in the mm. application. Mm. I mean, are there other challenges in the, in the product characterization? I mean, what's difficult with this development work that you're involved in? Are there
1: any challenges? Yeah, there are only challenges, I would say. <laughs> <They're> only <laughs> okay. no, there are only challenges, there are rewards as well, of course. But no, but I think, I mean... Unless you get, I mean, when you make the molecule itself structurally, of course, if you don't get it right with the hydrophobic part and the hydrophilic part, then it will not have the uh, the performance that you hope. And then you need to go back and retweak it. So I think the first sort of synthesis step is always maybe not difficult to make a molecule, but to make one that is working in the manner that you want is um, is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and
0: then, and it, is that the most difficult part of the development then,
1: or I would say so. But yeah. then, but but then also actually, um, as you know, there's a quite a lot of high demand on on chemistry industry to to, uh, for example, less toxic products and all these things, right? So you might find a product that is very good, but it doesn't have a good biodegradation profile. Uh, then you need to go back and retweak and we change the molecule so that it's you know, more easily degraded and still has stability, you know, you don't want it to degrade within 10 days, you want it to be stable enough, Mm. but but not persistent in nature. So it's a lot of these, um, yeah, things you need to balance a lot.
0: Yeah, so there really are optimization in several steps before you have
1: final product. Yeah.
0: Okay, so so we've, we've, uh, touched upon the analytical methods that you use a bit, which is sort of the the scientific part of of your job, I guess. Um, So so let's move on to talk a bit about your career path. Uh, Mm -hmm. So now you work with surfactants and polymers, and if I look at your early publication list,
1: that is much
0: more of a biological character. You had a publication there on on Parkinson's disease. Um, Was was protein
1: folding or unfolding and so and so on Uh, so what was your phd on my phd was on um, well uh, i have a phd in in biochemistry uh, working on protein characterization and protein structure and yeah, protein folding how they reach their you know three-dimensional structure and hence become active Uh, so that's that was my phd and also protein degradation in, in the human cell how it's avoids getting toxic in the cell, for example. So very mm. different, you're right, yeah. Mm. The, the only time I used surfactants one was when I wanted to solubilize things. Uh, so that's my only connection with surfactants before uh, before joining uh, Axonobel and Orion. Mm.
0: Mm. But then before that, you you did a postdoc at Cambridge.
1: Mm.
0: Was that also more of a biological
1: Yeah, it, it was character. a biological... It was in the chemistry department uh, in Cambridge, and then it was also protein folding when it comes to, um, there's something called protein folding diseases, like Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease. So it was characterizing those kind of proteins and how they mutated to, to form uh, these aggregates you get in your brain when you become, uh, when you get dementia, for example. Mm. So very different. But I, I I, mean, the reason I got into science is because I like biology. I think that's my, um, originally my my big um, passion. Mm. Mm.
0: So. I mean, did you always know that you would go into science, even as a kid? Was no, no,
1: no, definitely not. I never did my homework. I never did anything. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I was a bit of a, <laughs> I, I was a bit of a late bloomer, I would say, um, mm-hmm. when it comes to being productive and doing those kind of things. So. I, uh, up until I was maybe 12 13 it was not in the cards for me but then something switched I think uh, and I got really interested in mathematics and chemistry and biology and uh yeah so a late bloomer I think but mm-hmm. uh, after that I think it was quite clear yeah mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and then and then what what I mean during your phd and your postdoc mm-hmm. uh, did you have a plan then moving forward? Mm. I mean, did you know that you would leave academia or did you no. consider staying on and I
1: becoming actually, a professor? I, I mean, I, I actually, when I was going home from Cambridge, I was, applied for some, um, some four-house positions and all these things. And uh, But as as you know, it's very competitive and uh, I didn't get it actually. And uh, um, so then I actually, I think by chance, went into to industry. Um, but I think I actually enjoy it a bit more now that I've been here for 10 years or a bit more Mm. um, because you have an end goal and you can really, what is driving me, I think, is, I mean, it's not necessarily all the details uh, in the structures and so on, but I I want to see like a timeline how to achieve a product and I want to see that product be sold and so on. So it's, I think it suits me better, to be honest. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So you don't really regret?
1: No, no. Your choice. I, I can miss, of course, being able to design your own experiments, and you don't have the same kind of deadlines and everything. But uh, I think the positives are uh, outweighing the negatives. Mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so let's talk a bit more about what drives you. You said mm. to have, so to see progress.
1: Yeah, to see like a sequential. I mean, some some people, for example. That I talk to at work now, they they are really. Oh, I love to start things, but then in the end they don't really care about finishing it. They they love to start it, so or some like to go into the details and so on. Mm-hmm. And I and I think I'm a bit of everything there actually because I I like to start things, but if I don't see it progress, mm-hmm. then I lose interest. So I, I want to take it to the next step. I think it's somehow a competitive edge that I want to take it to to the final. Final launch or whatever it might be. That's, mm. uh, that's but, so, how point. was
0: that? How was that when you were in academia? Of course, then I mean you publish, but then mm. I find that projects could sometimes be very lengthy and and mm. run for years, and it's maybe it's perhaps it never really ends, but they go you know from this publication to that on a similar I, topic. I, I, I
1: think I think the publication was my launch, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's what I strived for in in a in a sense. Uh, but you're right, I mean I, I, I don't mind long projects but as long as I see some progress. Um, uh, yeah, mm. but the papers were my driving force in a sense.
0: Mm. So what about the problem-solving aspect? Mm. Is that uh, important for you mm. at all?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I yeah, it's it's fun and it's important. Uh, but I'm not one of those people that sits uh, in their chamber for three months before testing things. I think about the things I want to try, and then I go and try it. And if it doesn't work, I choose a different path mm-hmm. again because I want to go forward, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, a bit impatient, but I think sometimes that is quite good. Uh, um, yeah, because it allows you to go ahead in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but I, but I, I, I don't mind to have people in my team that actually are much more in-depth than me, I think that's perfect. Mm.
0: Uh, yeah, because yeah, you mentioned that uh, it's it's all challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, a lot um, of challenges, yeah. A lot yeah. of challenges, so I was thinking that you, you need to be, I guess, inspired or, or motivated by, you know, taking on these challenges and solving yeah. all these problems yeah. uh, instead of being, you know, worn down by them.
1: Yeah, and that's a challenge as well. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of a lot of project work is about communication, and I think that's part part is quite fun as well. Mm. That you can always solve things by communicating better with your team members and so on, and that's uh, that's the one part I like as well.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay, so what's uh, what's your plan moving forward? Do you have a plan or? <laughs> yeah. To go by inspiration. It's,
1: it's, it's a very good question, because if you look at my, if you say career, I, I don't like to use that word. But I mean, then it's a bit schizophrenic <laughs> uh, because I, I, I've been in sales. I've been in quite heavy R&D in academia and I've been in heavy R&D also in industry. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit difficult to know how I would go forward if you, if I would continue with, with the science this kind of pathway or if I will go into I can think for example marketing can be quite nice as long as it's technical marketing for example and also writing and communicating so at this point I don't really know actually but I I wanted to be um, coupled to science that's Mm. why I think that's my uh, driving uh, force.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay um so, I think we will end with that science being a driving force.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> That's a good end. Yeah. Um, so, thank you so much for uh, listening to this episode with me, Marlene Ervachon, and Dr. Frederick Anderson from Norian. And I would also like to take the opportunity to uh, mention to those of you who are listening or watching that if you're interested in surface science or related topics, you should check out our blog, the Surface Science blog. Thank you and take care.